Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason, and as always, I am joined by Brian, Tommy, and Caleb. Well, I, sh- I shouldn't say as always, because in one of our more recent episodes, it was just Tommy and I, and we had a great discussion because Brian and Caleb decided they were too cool for school, but we're glad to have everybody back in the saddle today, and uh, thank you guys for listening in. We're going to kick it right off with a, a new discussion, or a, you could call it a series, I guess, that we're going to be discussing and unpacking over the next month here and we're really going to try to hone in on this idea what's the difference between knowing something and knowing about something and what's the value in that because it really seems that today there's a lot of information and people know a lot about things you know everyone becomes an expert on whatever CNN or Fox News or their favorite media outlets talking about so they have knowledge about certain things but do we really know things on a deep level? Do we really know God or do we just know about God? So we want to start opening up that discussion. And we were talking um, in kind of our in our warm-up here before we hit the big red record button. And Caleb was sharing a story about a friend of his that really just hit this whole point. So Caleb, did you want to bring that in? Yeah. So this this friend I knew throughout most of high school, he was around my dad and I a lot. And he saw how our, our lives were affected by knowing God and us, you know, sharing that with him. Um, but recently he actually went to prison, unfortunately. But it's interesting because we've been keeping in contact with him and in keeping with contact with him, he's actually um, started going to the Bible study at the prison. He's actually been sharing with other prisoners about the Bible. And when we were talking to him about it, he said, yeah, now I know God. Now I know the purpose for my life. Now I know why all these things have happened to me is his language. And it's interesting because throughout of high school, um, when he was hanging out with us, he knew about these things. He knew about God and the Bible and how it even affected our lives. But now that he's in prison, he's been saying, no, now I know for myself, I know I know God and I know the Bible and I know what that is for me. What a, what a great transition point. And I know some people listening will have, well, of course you're going to all of a sudden go, go after God. Cause you're at the bottom. You're at the, uh, you, uh, you don't know where else to go. So grab onto something. But I, I don't, I don't really think that's a true statement. I think it just comes to the point where all that information you once knew didn't help. But now all of a sudden it gets translated into something that becomes a part of you. And I, I think that's uh, a really important question. And I think when we're talking about the difference between knowing something or knowing information about something and actually knowing, the, something radically changes in us. There, there's a different thought process. And I'm excited to kind of keep going and exploring through this. When you were talking about that story, I kept that that movie goodwill hunting popped in my head and it is a great movie the language i'm sorry is way beyond uh um recommendation but at the same it's token kids. it's not for kids but it's very interesting i remember the scene where the the psychologist is sitting with um will and they're sitting on a park bench and he was basically making these statements of you know everything about everything. You know every book about Michelangelo and about math. And basically, you know all this information. And then he said, but have you ever stood in the Sistine Chapel where Michelangelo painted? Have you ever smelt it? Have you ever been a part of it? 
you you don't know it. You know about it. You've never even left Boston. You've never been across the sea. You've never been into these places. And he was making that contrast. And it's very interesting, even in that movie, it's contrasting between knowing about versus knowing. And I looking forward to seeing how we explore this today. I think uh, something that comes to my mind as we kind of bring up this conversation of knowing something and just knowing about something, to me, uh, my mind kind of goes back to business and because um, that's what I'm studying in school and that's what I'm interested in and want to know more about. Um, but to me, I go back to, um, you can know the books on how to run a business, but if you've never really run a business, I would say that you don't know what running a business is like. And I think it's really easy to criticize people, but then when you get in the shoes, it can be a lot harder than it looks. Um, and one just example, I guess, from my life is um, I was just reading and watching videos on how to start a business, online business. And then I actually started one and I was like, wow, it's a lot harder when you actually try to apply what you're learning and what you're trying to do and when you're doing it in real life. And I think that's the difference to me is like that action is where you actually start to learn and start to really know something. And for me, that was when I had the most growth is when I actually started to um, take action in what I knew or the, the knowledge I was getting. And that's when I began to actually like understand something and understand how it works. How do you think it just that- reminded me actually have you um have you seen the office the TV show the the US version not necessarily the UK version but there's Ryan Howard as the character when he's when he's first introduced he's this young guy he starts going to business school and there's a scene where he and Michael are sitting in a car and Michael's asking him like well what is this business term and Ryan's response is it's basically just quoting verbatim from his book so here's what this is here's what this is and he goes through his classes and all this stuff. And then eventually Ryan gets promoted super high in the company and has all this knowledge about business because he went to business school, ends up in a disaster, getting arrested for fraud because he couldn't handle the stress. He couldn't handle the communication. He couldn't do anything because he, he just got all this knowledge and had no connection to it. And when I, when I first saw that, that whole thing unfold through the series, it reminded me of times where I've, seen people come through as musicians that have a lot of music theory down where they can tell you the progression of a song once it's written out they can read music they can perform things perfectly if you give them the sheet music but then if you ask them hey, just play me something they haven't they don't know what to do because if there's not instructions written out in front of them they have nowhere to go because they don't really know music they know about music theory. They know about reading sheet music. But if you were to say, hey, let's just have a time here. Can you grab a guitar? Can you sit at the piano and just play something to bring us into you know, a reflective mood? They would have no idea what to do because they don't know music. They just know about what they're reading in front of them. And this, it's funny to me that you see this, this truth that we all kind of get in every aspect of life, whether it's business, whether it's media, whether it's music, whether it's leadership, whatever it is. And I, there's another friend of mine that is kind of this way when it comes to leadership. He loves reading leadership books, has all the quotes on the wall in his office, has it in his email signature. And yet, for some reason, 
no one wants to follow this person because although they have all the knowledge about, you know, leaders are supposed to do this and they're supposed to do this and he can quote all the things. He, there's not, it's not a part of his life. It's not a part of his existence. He doesn't naturally walk that out because he doesn't know what it means to lead. How many things in our life tie into this? And I I guess one of the questions come, do we almost take a security in knowing everything about something we're interested in or, or, or an arena we're supposed to step into almost as like a scapegoat of actually knowing something. This isn't always true. I'm just, I think in some scenarios that we actually hide behind our knowledge. And I, I always thought of this idea. What do you want the guy who designed an airplane, which is a brilliant feat. So they know how to design. Let's just give them that. They, they know how to design the plane. But if they're, if you're sitting on an airplane, do you want the guy who designed the plane to fly you home? If the pilot, something happens to the pilot and now the, you need a pilot, or do you want the guy that has flown missions in that plane, but has never, wouldn't even know how to put the plane together. You want the guy who knows how to fly the plane. Like you want it. They can feel the wind. They can understand what the, what the, what, what it feels like to be in the air with that. And I think it's, it's, it's very interesting that we, we, we have created a, a, an environment that knowledge is power. But actually, I think sometimes we hide behind the knowledge and we don't even have the application understanding of what that thing is and how it affects the world around us. And I, I was just pondering. I'm wondering if sometimes we almost feel safer saying I know all about that versus having to actually step in to knowing that area or that person or that idea. Yeah, it almost seems like knowledge protects us from actually experiencing things like from that perspective because we're using knowledge to keep a distance from it and not actually like I I see this in myself sometimes like it's like, oh, yeah, I know about that. So I don't have to face that situation because I know about it so I can keep away from it. But then I'm just using that knowledge to protect myself from any experience. Granted, that's good in lots of cases, but sometimes we just use the knowledge to hide behind from actually like knowing what it's like to experience that. And I think like an example for myself is like, you know, like, getting to know people who maybe have a different lifestyle than me like it's like yeah you can know about them but until like you go with them and eat with them and experience what they're experiencing you don't know them just like what Jesus did when he went and ate with sinners like all the Jews of that time and all the Pharisees they knew about that but like Jesus went and experienced like what they were experiencing in their life not in a bad sense but to more understand them and know them in a personal closer meaningful way that's that's really interesting and i i kind of realized there might be a habit for people to do that in a lot of areas of life so uh this last sunday was easter and uh you know my wife and i and the kids we got all dressed up my wife had gotten the kids uh these the boys these little eastery fedoras and my daughter had a big easter hat on and everything the kids were dressed up that the boys had bow ties um you know uh my daughter had a a new little dress and it was really pretty and everything. So we took some family pictures and my wife posted them online and, and someone had said to me, they, they love the pictures. The kids look so cute. And they, they felt like they were um, experiencing our family 
through the pictures or I feel connected to you guys because I'm seeing all these pictures you post of your kids and everything. And I remember thinking, okay, that's great. I'm glad you can see that and appreciate it. And it's, it's a nice compliment, but you really haven't experienced anything with my family. You've seen some pictures here. You've seen some posts. You've seen some, oh, today we were at the park playing on the slide. So you can even picture that in your mind, I guess, but you weren't there with us. You, you weren't at the park. You weren't in the backyard playing. So you have no real experience with my family. And so if someone were to ask that person about my family, they could give them all that information. Oh, they like to dress up for Easter. They like to play in the backyard. They like to go to the park and, and have cookouts in the yard and stuff but you actually have never experienced what it's like to be in my family. And I think in some ways people have done that with God where we've read the Bible so much and we can tell all the stories because we saw them on the flannel board in Sunday school and everything. But then why haven't we experienced anything in our day-to-day walk with him? We've got all this information about him. Jason, you brought up, never lived with him. You, you brought up something really, really great is we we've almost created that illusion. Like I feel like I'm with your family in those photos. But on the reality, you weren't there when I couldn't get one of them into the clothes and they didn't want to wear that. And then one of them was throwing a tantrum and then they, they threw food on each other. And now the the clothes don't match. And then you're having to bribe with ice cream to get them to finally smile for the photo. That's the reality of knowing now I'm not, your, your family's perfect. So just, but, but I'm just talking about in general, it, there's so many dynamics at play that you're just getting that snapshot. So I'm wondering if sometimes we take knowledge and whoever's presenting the knowledge is creating the one snapshot that we want to people to see. So when it comes to knowing that family or that idea or, or doing it, when things don't go quite to that picture, it's almost like we back away that this can't be real. And wow, what a disservice we've done to our, our, our thought process and, and our world. Um, back to the thing with God, I, I think it's very interesting. People don't really process this all the time, but God is a triune God. He's one God, the father, the son, the Holy spirit. They're all one. They're God. And so when you have the son come and he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. So everything Jesus did when he walked on the earth, was the representation of the exact image of God. That's all he did. So if you see Jesus, this is what God's like. But then all of a sudden you read the Old Testament and we see a different, we've been taught a viewpoint of God or we've interpreted a viewpoint of God and we know all the things that he did and we have all of these things going going on in our mind of who God was of the Old Testament Jesus shows up on the scene and is almost seems opposite. Oh, see how kind and compassionate and caring and loving and merciful and and supportive of who Jesus was. That's what he was like in the Old Testament too, but we've formed an opinion and a viewpoint based on how we've wanted to interpret the application to say God's something different. And so I think it becomes very important that even in everything we know as we kind of go through this journey, I guess part of our challenge is we sometimes have to strip off what we think we know about something versus what we know about something. So my my question to you guys is 
how how do we how do we venture I guess maybe we should bring up a definition. What is knowing about and what is knowing? So can someone kind of help define that in a much clearer picture of what we're actually talking about? I think the way that I would see that for me personally is like knowing about something is knowing it from a distance, but knowing something is like how close you are to it. So you can even look at the crowds versus the disciples. The crowds knew about Jesus, but the disciples knew Jesus. They knew who he was. They knew that he was the son of God because of how close they were to him. And since they were following him and with him every day. And I think that applies to anything. Like when you know about something, it's kind of far off and disconnected from you. But when you know something, it's close and personal to you. And in that it means more and it affects you more deeply. I remember my freshman year of college um, before I actually got to campus, um, my couple of my roommates and I, we had met each other online because we exchanged emails through the, because we found out we were roommates. And so we were like asking each other all the standard questions like, hey, are you bringing a fridge? Do you go to bed early or late? Just so we could get to know each other and try to figure out what it's going to be like once we're actually rooming together. Completely different. Once you actually move in and you close the door and you realize, okay, I've got to, I got to be with this person for a whole semester at least. So then you get to know someone real quick when you wake up and they're, they're in there, when you go to sleep and they're in there, when you go through all these aspects of life together versus just emailing or texting about it and your likes and your dislikes and things you want to do and don't want to do. And it's, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I I agree, and I I think I think it's kind of interesting. Is even when it comes to information that we know about, like let's say you're studying um, engineering, you want to be around an engineer that's teaching it that also knows engineering and has had some hands-on experience. And as you get to know the person that's instructing you that information, and it can even be from a book, you can get to kind of know a person. You know, we get to know. I can get to know characters by reading about them and studying them. But I have to look at it from what is it what is affecting their viewpoint? Because even the information they're going to give is going to come from their viewpoint and their experience of things and how they're looking at it. So the part of this is what what if I had a bad experience? What what if all of a sudden let's let's reverse that story that you talked about, Caleb, at the beginning? What if he said at the beginning, I, I know God, and then it seems like everything fell apart? And then he steps back and goes, "Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if he even is there. I, I don't even know if he exists. What, what if, what happens when that role reverses? How, how do we? Are, are we saying that it's just our experience that helps us know something? Um, but how, how do we get it that it, we can see a truth in what we know, versus the experience can lie as well? Is what I'm trying to get at is." Sometimes the experience. So I think a lot of this can become kind of confusing is, okay, so if I need to just know that person, but I never know about that person, that can leave you shaky. If you only know about that person and never know that person, that can leave you shaky. So how do we think we could, the importance of blending these two things together? Let me give you an example. Um, I just had the opportunity to speak at an international high school, 
over this last week. And in that high school, I would venture to say probably 90% of the kids in there come from some kind of missionary, missional uh, family, which is why they're in Thailand. And here's students that grew up in home with the general teachings about God um, for the most part. Yet, we did a little question thing that we had them do at the beginning, and of there's about there was about three hundred students um, in the in the audience. Of those, I would say over half had a similar question: How do I know God? How do I know God is with me? Like, how do I know that? And here's kids that know about God. They'll they'll sit and quote you Bible verses. They'll t- but they don't know God. And I I thought that was a very interesting idea. Yet they're being trained by people, and their family that thought they knew God to go do mission work, but that never got translated into answering their question. And so I thought it was a very interesting dynamic with them that we had to kind of walk through the difference between knowing God and knowing about him, but it ties into this whole entire conversation about any idea. I think a, a good rule of thumb maybe is that the knowing about someone or something is supposed to lead you to knowing that person or that thing. Like, like all the study of the scripture is not so that you can just quote Bible verses and say, well, I, I know the reference for this. It's to lead you to the father into his heart. That's the entire point of it. And it almost, in, in some ways, it almost sounds a bit, I don't know the right word. Maybe it's just a little edgy in the Christian world sometimes to say that if you only have knowledge of the Bible and not a relationship with the Father and don't know the Father, then the, the information about that written word is of no use if it doesn't lead you to the one who wrote it, to the one who it's about. So you do want both. You do need both but the one is designed to lead you to the other. So would it be safe to say that knowing where our information comes from would change that dynamic? But I guess maybe we have so much knowledge about things, but we don't even know who originates that that knowledge. We could read about history, but if you don't know the author or who's writing that, we don't even know if there's integrity within what's being written. We just know they're saying it and we're supposed to know it. So I guess maybe part of this is back to a father, which actually means source of life. If we don't have some confidence and trust with whoever's bringing information to us, the knowledge we're receiving can be warping how we're actually interacting with that that idea. Great example is like uh, Nicholas Tesla when he was showing how 220 volts AC is actually a better and safer way to conduct electricity. And then Thomas Edison started running ads of how dangerous 220 volts were and how 110 volts DC was a better way. And so they they went through this little battle and we had Tesla at times would grab both ends of the the power cord and let the the electricity pass through, trying to show that it wouldn't kill. And then uh, Edison would show things where he would shock an animal and kill it with, with the 220 to say, no, it will actually harm. And so you, you we're battling over that information. So now it's like, 
okay, which one's right, which one's wrong? And, and they're, they, they force this battle of doubt about the information. But what wasn't really communicated was behind the scenes, Edison had just raised all this money to put in all the power lines. If it switched to 220 volts, everything that he invented and all the infrastructure and all the money that he put in would be thrown out. So we didn't really know what was the true information, even though one was trying to present a better, uh, a, uh, a protection to that infrastructure. The other was just bringing up the idea, this is more efficient and is actually a better way to conduct electricity. And so it's sometimes we, it gets hard filtering through that information if you don't know the person and what motivates them and what, what, what is behind that. So again, we're back to this point that we do have to know something in order to gather that information and what is the right knowledge. So... So I'm, I'm kind of putting myself in that situation there as just like a random person in the world observing those two and their, their disputes and all that stuff. So how would I, how would I get to know the person and what their motives are for that? Because, I mean, on one hand, it doesn't seem like it's a possible thing. Like, how am I going to get to know Edison and Tesla? Even if I'm living at that time. I can't just show up at their house and be like, hey, guys, you want to hang out so I can discover your motives behind really what you're doing here? There's There's got to be a way for me to know what's going on behind the scenes, but the motives behind everything without, you know, I guess, well, within reason, something that we actually can do. Well, maybe within... Or maybe I can't know them. You brought up that question. You brought up that idea, reason. Maybe we've trained people to receive the right answer but we haven't trained people to ask the right question. We don't want questioning of things. And I'm not referring to a rebuttal and a constant obstinate shutting down information. But the best, the best result of information is the right question more than the right answer. So there would be simple ways like in that, like if I'm just, if I'm just trying to reason, I don't know anything different between the two. Tesla could have motives, right? Because he invented this idea and we got, or, or at least brought, brought it to light to usability. Uh, Edison brought this to light to usability. So they both have motives, right? Tesla would actually have more to gain if everybody switched. Edison would have something to lose. So you have to kind of look at that context and, and peel it back and say, okay, they both have something to gain. They both have something to lose. They're both bringing a sense of truth from what they've, the application, right? Edison has experience with 110 DC volt. He knows it. He knows how it works. He knows how to implement it. He knows how to transport it. He knows how to uh, put it into application. He knows how to help people with the, the end user with the light bulb and how it enters into their arena. He knows how to do that. He's experienced in that. Another player comes on the scene that would have to change how all of that is done, right? Because in Asia, where I live, everything is 220. Try plugging a 110-volt item into that 220. It's going to blow up. It doesn't work, and vice versa. So when we're looking into, into this, it's okay that the answer to that information is they both have application. They both can work. But we have to start, you have to be able to slip aside, I can't take your, there's a slight bias to it because you're invested in it. So when we look at God the Father, 
and we understand what is his motivation. So what's your motivation for wanting us? What's your motivation for this information? What is your motivation for us wanting to know it? Oh, then we see what Jesus did. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here's what I came to do. Oh, I get what his motivation is. It's for me. So all of a sudden you see a pureness of motivation that his motivation is for us to be able to have what he's offered. And all of a sudden that can give you answers and confidence in whether that source of information is valid or not valid. Otherwise, I think we need, when it comes to knowing about things, we have to have a multi-look at this. So you have to see an object, and when someone says this is what the truth is about it, I, I believe they believe that's the truth about it. But we also have to be able to see the other side to it as well, because there's a, there's a truth that other side is actually bringing as well, so we can better look at it. So I think the more we the more we grow in confidence at looking at information and asking the right questions, we don't have to discount or support an opposing view, but we have to recognize there's going to be different views on this. And that can be part of our scope of knowledge about it. But until we venture into that ourselves and begin to t handle it, interact with it, like Caleb said, of having a relationship with it, that is, if it's, let's say it's a mechanical thing, you're going to have to go handle that thing and take it apart and look at it and touch it and, and, and interact with it and see how it's working. And the, the information could, should actually draw us into a relationship or cause us to say, this is a bad thing. I need to stay away from it. You know, and maybe that's where some people get hung up on their relationship with God is because they have a wrong I guess you could say a wrong knowledge of his motive. I mean, there's, there's so many people I've talked to over the years where it's like, well, I just need to figure out what God wants me to do for him. And that somehow has become the basis of their relationship. Like, like it's our primary goal to find out what God wants us to do and do it for him. And while that's a, that's a good thing, that's not the basis of the relationship. And, and it was interesting. I, I, I'd never read this. Um, until like a few weeks ago in the Bible, it's Isaiah 64, verse four. And this is one of the most interesting verses in the entire Bible. And I'd never read it until a few weeks ago. It says this, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. And so he's kind of laying this out. We have never seen someone like you, God. You are acting for the people that serve you. You are actually looking for things to do for them. And so the relationship changes. Your knowledge of God or your knowing of God changes with that information because now it's not, oh, I better do something to impress God. It's while well, he's actually looking for me to act on my behalf. So now I see him as a father who's interested in my life. So he actually might care about the things I'm interested in. He actually might want to talk to me about the things that are on my heart and walk with me through that instead of me constantly feeling like I'm not measuring up because not every second of every waking moment of my life is spent speaking in tongues and praying. Like it, it just, it just changes the relationship. One of the things that popped in my head as you're kind of speaking, Brian, was just about when you know 
like, how do you know the person? I would say you know them by their actions. But when the actions are the same, you know a person by their motives and what's really behind them. And you really get to that through relationship. And I think that's really cool. But another thing I thought of too was like, when I, when I think of like myself, like knowing where does my information come from? I think it's important to know like the attacks that people can bring against that too, is that I can be getting my information from something that's completely wrong. And recognizing that is like really, really important. I think there's times where I'm, I'm like, for example, in my personal life, my identity, I can start to kind of lose my identity and start getting it from people and from the value that I get to them and whether they praise me for that or whether they don't praise me for that, that's kind of where I get my identity from. And I always have to go back to where am I getting this information from? Is this really valid? Like, is this, is this really true? Should I be getting my, my identity from people? Or should I be getting my identity from God? And I think what you're saying about asking that question is like crucial because if you don't ask any questions about what you want to know, you'll never fully understand it. I think it's like when I think of like student and a teacher relationship, like how do you get the best of the teacher by asking really good questions that require the teacher to actually teach you? And I think like the student kind of determines how that teacher performs in a sense is like the questions you ask God or the questions you bring to God really determines the answer you're going to get back and how you're going to actually grow through that. And I think that is really crucial in relationships and really beginning to understand and deeply know something. Well, it, it's interesting you said that even about the questions, but if we are made in the image of God, and as believers, we become a child of God. How many times throughout Scripture does, Father, does God the Father ask people questions? How many times does Jesus, in the middle of a heated something, pose a question? Which one? And like he poses this question. Why is he doing that? Because it, he's always discerning motives with the question. And again, someone can have bad motives and still tell you the truth. It, when you can examine where their position is that they're coming from, like even the, when they, cause they were always trying to catch Jesus in something and he would just pose it back as a question or, or actually answer it with their own truth. Like the woman caught in the act of adultery. Hey, what are you going to do with this? Here's, here's what happened. And he just, he waits and he did, he doesn't change the truth. He just basically puts it right back on him. Well, you without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Well, they are, were, were hit in their heart because they knew they're all guilty. And so now they can't do anything. And I think, I think what you just said of dissecting down to motives, you, we can still learn good things from people with bad motives, but we have to understand the motives. So we're not taking it in as a source of life versus taking it as, as, as information to build a framework and a background of how to function in that arena. But that knowing, so the question, what you just brought up, Tommy, like you're going to have to be around to see someone's actions create consistency. As you start seeing actions, you start seeing motivations. As you start seeing motivations, you can start seeing the hard intent of what's, what's going on in the person. But that's going to take a willingness to kind of be around that thing to start, or that person to start seeing how that works.
Like my, like how many have a vehicle that have a, has an anomaly in the vehicle? Like, you know how it works. Like you get in and it's like, how come the car restarts for you? But if you gave the key to someone new, it's like, I can't get the key to turn. Oh, you kind of have to jiggle a little bit, but you've done it so long. You know, that car, you don't even think about it. Like, why don't you get that fixed? I don't know. It's not a problem to me, but it's a problem to anybody else who now steps in. So I can give them the car and they can call me up and say, your car's broken. It, it won't start. It's like, what do you mean it won't start? Well, the key won't turn. Really? How? Oh, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And then you go and hop in and you start the car. And it's like, I don't get it. And then you realize you just by nature have gotten used to that thing so long. You're, you're flipping the, the switch. So, you know, sometimes we know things. But we don't also we we also in our deep knowing don't have know how to communicate how we got to that point either. So I think sometimes we need to pause and ask ourselves some questions. Can I actually die, can I actually communicate what I know? No, I can't. It's just become a part of me, which is good. But now we also have to become good at recommunicating, so other people can start growing in that experience as well. So it's this this whole question is really powerful because it's not one is better than the other per se, but it has to start somewhere that we're not building our identity on things we know about. You cannot build an identity on what you know about. You have to only build it on what you know. But getting to that point could be really confusing, especially in our day and age. Well, and another example from the Bible, if, if we haven't had enough already, but I remember when the when the centurion comes to Jesus and uh, and he's asking for his daughter to be healed. And it, really, the only thing the guy knows about Jesus is authority. He's like, well, I know authority and you clearly have authority over over sickness and death, Jesus. So all you have to do is say the words because I, I know authority. I have people under me. I tell them to do this. They do it. And I obviously see your authority. So. I know you. So in that moment, he knew Jesus, even though he hadn't spent years and years with him. So there's something to be said for when you know, when you know a good motivation, when you know how a generous heart operates. So let's use that as, as an example. I know how the spirit of generosity operates. And so I can see a person and see them interact and see their, their actions. And I can tell if they're generally generous or not. If I know they're not a generous person because I just saw them at a restaurant and they tipped, you know, 20 cents on a $150 tab, I know they're not a generous person. Even if I see them get on a stage the next day and, and speak about how everyone needs to give of their money. Because I know what generosity looks like and I've seen them not live it out. And that, that goes both ways too. And you can recognize it in a positive way too. And so it's more, it's, it's not just about, well, I need to get to know every single individual I'll ever come in contact with. No, you actually start to know how different aspects of, of human beings operate, how the aspects of the spirit operate, where, whether it's love, joy, peace, what, whatever it is, you start to know those characteristics of God, the father, and then you start to recognize them in other people too. It's the coolest thing. That's why you, you actually feel more at home with certain people that you don't know as well as some others, why you can be closer friends with someone that you haven't known as long as someone you've known your entire life, because you're designed to operate that way. You kind of need to open your eyes and really see like beyond just the person or just the action. Like, I think 
often like we can experience something or feel a certain way or like we know this person does this because of you know they're a nice person they're kind but like when you really open your eyes and you begin to question like how does that person really do that I think that's like when you kind of begin to understand like oh like this person is always giving time and generous and that's just who they are but then you ask the question like why do they do this like what do they do this for and like when you get down to that stuff you can begin to see like okay, how do I operate in that too? And that's where you start to learn and start to know. And like, it doesn't have to be someone really necessarily teaching you either. You can learn through an example of someone's life that you are a part of in some way. For example, when I think of like my pastor, I didn't really know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't, but then I began to listen to him teach. I began to listen to him talk about the word. I got to understand that he knew what he was talking about. And that made me want to go and study the word and understand and start to know what he's knowing and start to take actions like he's taking actions. And I think that's really important and how you can influence someone with that is by getting that influence requires questions of yourself. And requires, I think, reflection. And I think a lot of times in a busy world, we don't really take time to reflect and just think about things that have happened to you throughout the day. Let's look at this, not just in examples of people either. So discipline. You know, someone says, I want to be more disciplined. And they can go and read 100 books about how to be a more disciplined person. But if they don't engage in knowing what discipline is, which includes the sacrifices that it entails, the hard work that it entails, you have to let go of old ways of thinking and old habits. It entails all of that, but it also entails all the rewards that discipline brings. If you don't give yourself to knowing it and you just know about it, it will have no effect in your life. For instance, even when you come to discipline, a little simple idea. There has to be something that you're really passionate about that that discipline is going to bring about. Just being disciplined for discipline's sake would be the most hellish life to live in. I, I, yeah. You could do it, but there won't be a joy in it. There won't be a happiness in it. It will be kind of this miserable thing, and you can tough it out and have a strong will. But inside, it kind of makes you cranky and frustrated and da-da-da-da-da. But if there's something you want from it, discipline becomes the byproduct. Now, yes, you still have to sacrifice. Oh, man, this is hard. I know, but it's worth it. Remember what you're going after. Oh, but this, yeah, but remember what you're going after. So all of a sudden, it, 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 uh, it has a different connotation to it when you know, uh, not just know about it and what it is, but know what the application is of it for. And that's exactly it. So how many people only see discipline as well, it means I'm beating myself up and getting rid of something. And then I just proved that I'm disciplined in an area instead of what you just said, which is that it's supposed to drive towards a passion and pull something out of you. Now that has an entirely different perspective to it. Now discipline doesn't just look like this rigorous, terrible thing that I'm going to hate doing. And so I'm going to give it up after a week, which is why no one's new year's resolutions last more than a minute and a half. Because all it was was just, well, I'm going to stop doing something and be hard on myself. Well, you will for a week or two, and then you'll be back to where you were. But if you knew what true discipline was and how it's pulling something that you want out of your heart, 
that changes the ball game. Yeah, I really like what you said, Jason, if I'm not butchering it, but you said um, like to truly know discipline, you have to give yourself to it. That's what you were saying. And I think that's like, like, yeah, and I think that's even really applicable for the truth. Knowing the truth, you have to give yourself to the truth, because when you decide you want to know the truth, it's more than just knowing about it, like you partake in the truth and it affects your life. Like when the disciples wanted to know Jesus, he said, follow me. And they followed him. So they gave themselves unto knowing him. Like that was what their life was to know Jesus. And I think that's like another major difference is like, it's more than just keeping that distance from it. You're giving yourself to it, to know it essentially. Yeah. And I think that ties into that book that we had gone over the last couple of weeks of live not by lies. If you have the people that have come out of the gulags and the communist uh, uh, re-education camps and how they were trying to be broken but as they gave themselves to the truth even though there was a hardness in it even though there was a sacrifice in it when they come back out and tell their stories y- you can't separate the truth from how they live like it is so DNA'd entwined into what they are they don't know how to be not what they are like it, it's really powerful and I think Maybe in that definition of knowing about something and knowing something, another aspect of all this isn't just how to distinguish between the two, but maybe when you truly know something, it's part of you. Even if it's something that's could be off, you, you, you act, you behave, you think, and you see from that idea because you know it versus just knowing about it. And I think once we kind of can can bring that aspect in that what God was asking us to do and what even Paul is saying is to know the Father. And as we, just like you just said, I think all this ties together is as we give ourselves to knowing, not just knowing about, if you just had a smidge, like think about some of the early church, they didn't even have a Bible and some of the early church weren't Jewish of, of Jewish descent. So they didn't know the Torah They didn't know the Old Testament. They didn't know the books of Moses. All they had was Paul introducing them to the Savior, Jesus, and the church exploded. So think about just a little bit of truth that's fully believed, conceived, and becomes part of you is more powerful than all the knowledge that's never been made one with you. That is really cool. What you're saying is like that one little truth, even if you don't know all the head knowledge or anything behind it, it can still be really applicable. Uh, Last year, I read a bunch of books and that was kind of like my goal for the years. I wanted to read a bunch of books, but then what I found out is that like in each one of those books that I read, it was just one point that I got from the book. And I, I might've even forgot the whole rest of the book, but that one point that stuck with me. And when I became to apply in my real like everyday life and when it became real to me and I understood like why I wanted to know this or what I gleaned from this and like what life situation this applies to it really became a part of me and I was able to like apply what it was and I think so often like you're saying is like we have all this knowledge and we have anything you really want to know you can know by google search or by youtube video or by whatever but you don't really apply that little nugget if we if we just had a little like if someone just gave you a little bit you could do so much more than if everyone just 
overwhelmed you with so much information, you tend not to do anything with it. And I think that's something that maybe the church is dealing with today too, is that, oh, we know all this stuff, but we don't know it. Whereas the disciples and, um, you know, early church members, they just, they knew this one little piece and that that's all they needed to know that set them off. Well, I'll leave at this final point and I'm just going to come from my view of mentorship and what we've done and what draws strength out of people. Um, and, and really mentoring is sacrificial because you're not looking to gain from them. You're lear- you're just offering them and hoping they'll go further. Cause what, a, what an honor to a father when the child goes further than the father, right? That's a, that's a, to a father. That's an honor. But a lot of times from a pastoring and, and a ministry point, I think it happens by accident, but we tend to figure out how we can get people to hear us versus how do we infuse a few things that they can go out. And I always equate it to this is after coaching soccer, can you imagine during tryouts, I had the the kids come and sit in the stands and for two weeks, I taught them everything I knew about the sport, how to play, how to dribble. I demonstrated, I showed, I talked, I did all those things. And then all of a sudden, when that was over, I picked teams. How would, how, how would you even coach like that? And then I'm going to tell them, hey, listen, we just had our two weeks of preseason training. Man, we're ready to go for the season. It would be the most awful experience. No, I can't even share half the, a, a, a nickel of the information until I get them out on the field, start doing something. And so as they're interacting with the ball and they're interacting around the drills, then we can start adding things into them that will start pulling them out. And I think that's the number one thing that I, when it comes to knowing about God and knowing God or knowing about anything is we need to approach it from the application is that this new information is something to be a part of me that will actually benefit me. It will help me. It could keep me from trouble. It is for the lifting of, of me. I don't mean it in a selfish, like an I, 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 I'm just saying, it's designed to do something to enhance so I can influence and be an impact around the world and uh, wherever I go versus I need to know information that holds me in subjection to that information. And I think those are two motivations that need to be empowered because the more I know about God, the more I'm uplifted, but the more I know about God, the more he's uplifted. And so I feel more humble every time I know more about him, but yet he keeps trying to lift me up. And it's a, it's a, it's a very awesome experience, but I promise that the true giver of knowledge whose design is to actually lift the person in front of them, it, it, it is the thing that, that brings the most change and the most life. And you can see that how things are communicated and how things are built. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. I want to leave you guys with this closing thought here. One of the, an interesting and quick difference between knowing about something and knowing it, knowing about something really means that you can tell people about it at social gatherings, a birthday party, whenever it comes up, knowing something means that your life is intimate with it, even when, and I would say, especially when no one else is around to see it. And so think about these things as we wrap it up here. What are some things that you know about that you really do need to get to know? And are you in the habit of acquiring knowledge? Like Caleb said earlier, are you in the habit of acquiring knowledge at the expense 
of experiencing something. I want to leave you guys with those thoughts. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.